Welcome back to the Museum of Femininity. My name is Charlotte Appleyard and today I will be doing a mini podcast episode for you today about poisonous makeup and particularly the history of makeup products which contain lead. Makeup has been used as a tool to enhance, highlight, disguise and paint the face of men and women throughout history and has evolved beyond geographic and cultural barriers. However, many of these products have contained harmful levels of lead, which have led to disfiguring side effects and in some extreme cases, death. For example, in ancient Egyptian art, we are accustomed to seeing the heavy eyeliner worn by male and female figures, which was a widespread practice to the point where it would have been extremely abnormal to not paint your eyes up in this manner. As well as having a physical appeal, this type of makeup was believed to protect the wearer from the sun and illness. This is not entirely inconceivable, as the eyeliner was made from black coal, which contained lead salt. In 2010, French researchers reached the conclusion that this combination increased the individual's production of nitric oxide, leading to a boost in the immune system, which helped prevent things like eye infections. In spite of this, the historic use of lead in makeup products has overwhelmingly negative effects that far outweigh some of these small benefits. In England, we have had a fascination with makeup since the Roman times, where lead makeup was used to whiten women's faces, a habit which spanned well into the 16th century as well, becoming synonymous with famous figures like Elizabeth I, who used it to cover her smallpox scars. This particular concoction she favoured was mixed with vinegar and known as Venetian Ceruse, or the spirits of Saturn, which was thought to smooth a lady's complexion. The true effects were quite the opposite, with excessive use leading to severe discoloration, hair loss and rotten teeth. There was also high incidences of lead poisoning in the 18th century because of the fashion for red and white lead makeup and powder. In the 18th century, the beauty trade really expanded due to rising merchant classes, increased accessible transport and the burgeoning rise of local shops, which were now able to store foreign goods, cosmetics and wigs. There were also expanding cities and an increase of new moneyed people looking to settle in towns and get on board with the latest beauty trends, which would help them in their social climbing. Wearing white lead makeup and powder was endemic among the fashionable classes, even though the substances they used caused their eyes to swell and their teeth to blacken. Baldness and hair loss was an additional symptom and may have been one of the causes for the sudden fashion in shaving your front hairline. The makeup effect favoured in this time conjures up the image of decadence and dandyism. Faces were whitened and bright pink rouge be applied using Spanish wool, moved in round, garish motions on either cheek. It was also fashionable to have small rosebud-shaped lips, which were also painted with Spanish wool, to give them a bee-sting effect. Being incredibly pale was all the rage, so to enhance their whiteness, women would also powder their shoulders and breasts, even going as far as accentuating the veins on their breasts with blue. Their eyebrows were also plucked thin and pencilled in high curved arches, 
Some even shave them off entirely to only then replace them with, with false eyebrows made from mouse fur. Stars, moons or heart-shaped patches were also worn on the face and cut from black taffeta or Spanish leather, giving the illusion of rather pretty beauty spots. However, what laid underneath was likely to be the scarring effects of smallpox which they were trying to cover up. These patches could also be moved around the face to signify certain political alliances, such as if you were a Tory, you might wear it on the left. In the court of Louis XV, this was also used as a way of signalling your sexual preferences. It is said the trend became so popular, some would wear up to 15 patches at a time. One of the most common types of lead-based beauty products I've already touched on was Venetian Ceruse. Now, I've already mentioned this, um, and it was, of course, it started much earlier, you know, as far back as the 1500s with Elizabeth I, um, but it was incredibly popular in the 1700s. And it also is one of the few things that many believed led to the death of someone due to excessive use of this beauty product. So what I'll do now is tell you the story of um, Mariah, the Countess of Coventry. So she is one of the infamous uh, sort of death by cosmetics cases. So she's a very interesting character and I'll certainly have lots of portraits of her on our social media accounts so you can look her up and see what she really looked like or at least what the artists depicted her as looking like. The Countess was born Mariah Gunning around 1733 in Huntingdonshire and spent her formative years being raised in her family's home Castle Coote in Ireland. She was the eldest of six children and had four sisters and just one brother. As the family were not particularly well off, the daughters, who were incredibly beautiful, were encouraged by their mother to take up acting in the hope that it might improve their financial prospects if one of them happened to make a success on the stage. So, Mariah's life began as an actress when her and her younger sister Elizabeth came of age and found themselves moving to Dublin, uh, to the the theatre district. Together, they became socialites and were greatly admired for their looks, finding themselves showered with invitations to various parties and social gatherings. They reached the heights of contemporary tabloid stars and were frequently subject to public gossip. In 1750, the sisters moved to London and were propelled into great social heights, finding themselves in the company of George II at the court of St James. Mariah's fame escalated rapidly to the point where she was followed by crowds wherever she went and was said to once have been mobbed one evening when she was out in Hyde Park. Following this surely terrifying experience, the king himself gave Mariah a guard to protect her. It's even stated in the 1895 edition of the Century Dictionary that once she was out walking with two sergeants, of the guard before her and 12 soldiers behind. With her good looks, wit and charismatic personality, which was unfiltered and honest, it is unsurprising that Mariah found herself in an aristocratic match when she married George William Coventry, the sixth Earl of Coventry. 
It is perhaps at this point when Mariah started to feel pressure to adhere to the beauty standards of the time and maintain her youthful appearance. She became well known for applying thick layers of this toxic makeup to her skin in order to enhance her paleness and rosy cheeks. So following some years of this process, Lady Coventry died in 1760 at the age of 27. The cause of her death was consumption, known today as tuberculosis. Reports state that in the weeks prior to her death, she became extremely isolated and refused all visitors. You can't help but wonder if maybe she was suffering from the side effects of lead makeup and if perhaps her beauty really was fading and she was, you know, losing her teeth, her hair, um, if she really was using this product so excessively it is not out of the ordinary that she would suffer these side effects and become a bit of a hermit as a consequence. Her premature demise was consequently dubbed as death by vanity but did Mariah's makeup addiction really lead to her untimely death? So what's what is lead poisoning exactly? Lead poisoning is caused by the inhalation or absorption of lead, which once in the bloodstream can lead to anemia, high blood pressure, headaches, abdominal pain, memory loss and muscle weakening. It can also affect your nervous system and immune system, which may have been what happened to Mariah, leading her to become more susceptible to tuberculosis. So I think this is probably what happened to her, um her immune system weakened and then she became open to such illnesses as this and it's incredibly sad that this happened to a woman so young. There are other examples of products like this into the 19th century so this is you know we're talking the Victorian period where there was perhaps more of a scientific understanding about these things so Other deadly beauty products emerged in the 19th century. Um, One in particular, which I found interesting, um, came out of America uh, when a US newspaper advertised tins of wafers which you could consume and they promised that these wafers would help remove freckles and acne. However, these wafers contained arsenic, which of course we all know you should not put anywhere near your body um, and would cause, um, you know, of course it would cause poisoning and if taken in large quantities would have deadly consequences. Um, but the the manufacturers, they weren't particularly perturbed by this and in fact on the tin um, it read arsenic complexion wafers so they used the name in the marketing um, and this wasn't exactly a naive move because by this stage there would have been an awareness that arsenic was poisonous Um, but despite that people were still willing to consume arsenic products probably thinking that if they did this in small quantities it wouldn't cause them that much harm Uh, which is fascinating so it shows that they were at least partially aware of arsenic's toxicity, but they they saw it as being fairly harmless and worth the risk in order to achieve this 
very desired, deathly pallor. So there are many other examples of poisonous makeup, but what is truly interesting is what I just touched on a bit, is the length men and women go to to be beautiful and to fit in to the beauty standards of the society, even at the cost of their own health. So that is really poignant, I think, and makes you think, I suppose, a little bit about contemporary beauty standards and stuff like plastic surgery and, yeah, you know, Botox and doing all sorts to your body. Um, But luckily now, unlike back then, we do have a fairly good medical health system, at least in England, America, places like that. Stuff like that is maybe more so a matter of choice and if there are any side effects can be rectified fairly easily. But there is still a a sort of I will do anything to be beautiful attitude, I think, in certain circles, um, even to the point of having surgery. So that mentality still exists. And what an interesting idea to explore um, this kind of doing anything to be beautiful and whether this is something innate in humans. Yeah, because I guess humanity now, we do kind of shape the world around us, don't we? Right, so um, that is the end of this mini episode. Thank you so much for listening. And um, I will be posting pictures of the Countess of Coventry and different examples of lead-based makeup. You've got to have a picture of Elizabeth I in there, of course. So I will be doing that. Um, and also posting on Twitter so you can follow us at the Museum of Femininity on Instagram and at the underscore museum underscore of underscore fem capital F E M on Twitter. Um, so thank you so much for listening today and next week we will be back with a another female artists episode so I'm very excited to get into that thanks again i hope you have a lovely rest of your day whatever you may be doing and i will see you next week bye but there were-